Sonic Statesman.com. This is the post Messer um, Sonic Talk, which is Sonic Talk number 124. Welcome, everybody. Um, we've got a, quite a, a few people in the chat room. I wonder if we've uh, who we have here. We've got Oliver Davis, Rob GS. Fred Stradivarius, uh, yeah, a bunch of people. Welcome, you one and all, and uh, welcome to my guest, Dave Spears. Guest <laughs> <laughs> singular. <laughs> yeah. So this was supposed to be a sort of major sort of music messer, post-music messer podcast, and um, obviously Dave didn't go and I did, so I, I imagine it's going to be me talking to you about stuff I saw and you didn't. <laughs> That's a kind of relief, really, isn't it? For me <laughs> and for the listeners. Yeah, so, uh, so uh, yeah, it could be, um, could be a long day. Or a very short one, depending on how it goes. But anyway, we're uh, we're here, Sonic Talk 124. Um, obviously, if you can come and join us live uh, in the chat room, uh, we now stream via Shoutcast, which seems to be working pretty well. Uh, SonicState.com forward slash live. Uh, you, we've got a little sh- uh, flash chat room that you can just log into. And while you listen to us, you can uh, hurl abuse, um, welcome comments, you know, that kind of thing. Perhaps not too much abuse. Hopefully not. Anyway, I'll keep an eye on it. It's whizzing past my eyes at the moment. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, as we all know, we, we didn't have a show last week because um, it was Mesa and I was actually in Mesa for one of the, the two days that I was there, which is the big music show in Frankfurt, which uh, used to be uh, one of those kind of major international trade fairs once upon a time, but it didn't really feel quite so major and international this time. It's sort of a bit smaller, a lot of... Ryder, you know the Airbox, which is, uh, if you're a software developer, you'll know, you know, that you basically put a CD inside a really large box so it looks big on the uh, on the shelf and an impressive product, but in fact, all it is is a CD in the middle. It was kind of like the trade show equivalent of that because there was a lot of air. The aisles were wider and uh, and that kind of thing. Although there were um, there were some... It was quite busy, uh, just not... Not as busy. On the decline, I would say. But still worth going to. Not that I'm complaining. And the weather was lovely. Mm-hmm. Um, there was a lot of stuff there, but mostly from the kind of smaller boys. Although there were some big... There were still a few fairly big um, releases. Did you spot any, Dave? Did you check what, out our releases? video content? Our widescreen video content from Music Master? I did, yeah. In fact, I kept up with you on Twitter. Did you? Well, that's of course. Um, you can follow us on Twitter because we have a kind of headline feed, which I occasionally uh, augment with my own inane comments. But uh, that's forward, Twitter forward slash Sonic Nick. Uh, I ought to introduce you, Dave, because um, you're here. You're Dave Spears, aren't you? From G4 Software. Yes. Com. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Hello. That was it then. That's my. All the introductions yeah. are done, and we can move on with the show. And that was Sonic Talk number one, two, three. Yeah, one, two, four, in fact. Uh, Rob GS in the chat room says, uh, chat room says, any wow factors? And um, I'm trying to think whether there were or not. There were a few things. There, there was that, well, I saw a React table there in the flesh, which was pretty wow. I enjoyed that very much. Because uh, mm-hmm. normally you only see them on videos and, the, you know, people like Bjork play with them. But they actually had one there a kind of production model, which is, I think it's called the Reactable Experience, and it's we did we shot a video. It was the first thing I did, actually, because I saw it there, and I thought, I've got to get there. Um, <clears throat> so I had a chat with the people at uh, Reactable, and they showed me a few bits and bobs, and there were some really cool little features that I hadn't noticed in the uh, in the video demos. Things like being able to draw your own waveforms for the oscillators and stuff, so you just draw a, a little round circle and go wig, wig, you know, with your finger, and it becomes the waveform for the, for the oscillator, which is yeah. kind of cool. Uh, he also told me that the reactable was, in fact, €25,000, uh, which explains why they're selling it to superstars and uh, posh nightclubs and museums. Wow. But they are working on a kind of uh, a, a more production model, which will presumably be cheaper. He said um, it would be more in the realms of somebody who would buy a piano. It might be more affordable to them. And I, that leaves a lot of scope, doesn't it? Because you think, is it 50% cheaper? Is it 80% cheaper? Is it... 20% cheaper. Because you can fit a piano to sort of any of those price points, can't you, really? Or even a lot more if you bought a Yamaha C3. Mm. But Scary. But that was pretty cool. I suppose I should mention our sponsors at this point, just because uh, I've been listening to other podcasts that have sponsors, and they usually say at the beginning, this podcast is brought to you by... Uh, our show sponsors, who it is, and I'd just like to mention Roland.co.uk, who are very kindly still sponsoring the show, and uh, Loopmasters.com. Uh, we'll have some messages from them a little later on. 
So, Dave, um, you saw our, our video and presumably other stuff that was going out there. Was there anything that kind of floated your boat particularly from the show? Do you know, I, I had a hard job getting beyond the super booths, I have to say, because that's kind of floating my boat at the minute, all of that old, well, old-style stuff. Um, and I thought the coverage of that was very good, in particular your interview with the Schneider twins, I oh, have to bring well, up. Don't you think that was a, a milestone of journalistic excellence? <laughs> it was very, very pain no it was good it was painful no uh, uh, but the thing was is um we were at the super booth i just popped by to borrow a lead off andy and uh andy was filming um some of the other guys that we'd gone back to and he said oh um he's here Flor- uh, florian schneider i thought oh, brilliant uh and then it, i thought oh, well i don't know if i can do an interview at the moment because i'm just not really in the in the zone you know i haven't got any pre- haven't got any preparation then also andrea said yeah we can't talk about craft work at all because He's in the middle of some horrible legal wrangling because apparently Craftwork split, or at least he's split from them. So that left kind of not many places to go, really, from there. <laughs> very good, very <laughs> so good. we tried a little sketch, but, I mean, I can say I met Florian Schneider from Craftwork. Yeah, cool. You know? Cool. I liked his guest appearance on that, uh, the Sam 16 sequencer, when he just sort of put his head around the corner. <laughs> well, the guy, yeah, you must check these out. I'll put all these links into show notes. The guy who made that, who was called Sebastian Neeson, I think his name, he's been making stuff for Craftwork for 30 years. So he's been one of the guys that's been presumably behind a lot of the kind of personalised custom gizmos that they've been using, which was quite interesting. Hmm. I've got a bit of a soft spot for that Sam 16. It's, it's quite expensive, but... Yes, I believe so. I just can't get on with hardware sequences. I remember I had an MS, to, uh, whatever it was, MS something or other, SQ10, I think it was. And I just, it was always such a major pain in the neck to do anything with because you kind of, you spend all this time getting to it and then you get there and then you think, right, well, if I ever want to change anything, I've got to go through all of that all over again. And it just didn't quite. Yeah, I quite like the fact that this has all been knobbed and rotary encoders and all that kind of stuff very very smart i like, I, I like um sequences that have got quantization built in so you can quantize to to absolute you know to to uh to a scale or to semitones or whatever and i think this uh the analog solutions or analog systems i always get them messed up and he always gets really cross um they do one and that's a really nice um that is a really nice um, mm. nice one yeah oh, um I just want to say now, Circuit Symphony, uh, who's also from Roland UK, which is kind of really weird because he's saying he loved the loops last week, which was the Loop Masters deal, and I believe it's st- it's still on, but you'll have to keep listening until so that I can tell you how to get your free loops from Loop Masters. Cool. I think they call that a tease. Yes. I've been swatting up on radio terms. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure why. Brushing up that, on your interviewing technique. Yeah, this is our... our, our anyway, you're listening to Sonic <laughs> Talk, number one, two, four. You've got to say that a lot as well. Oh, okay. But, um, yeah, the, the super booth was great. There was a load of great stuff there. And one of the things I really liked, there was a Persephone Mark II, which I've always, Persephone's always left me a bit cold because it sounds horrid to my ears. You know, it's all a bit sort of screechy. But this one's a two oscillator one, which is, and it's polyphonic. And I didn't realise this also, it has MIDI out and CV out. So you can actually use it to control other equipment duophonically. <laughs> and that's pretty cool. It's got a couple of pedal inputs as well. So that's kind of, that was a, uh, again, that was a prototype and that should be coming up sometime soon. I'm not sure how much it's going to be. And the other thing, um, there was a weird plastic modular thingy, which I've got written down here and I can't understand what Andreas said in the video when we did the tour of the super booth, but it's sort of like a, 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 the opposite of reactable in that it's hardware. So you have those kind of hexaphonic, uh, I think they're hexaphonic uh, or pen, pentangle shaped plastic synth modules that you can twist around and join together in a variety of uh, interesting ways but it, it was a prototype i didn't catch the name of the company and that was a very poor piece of journalism so you'll have to watch the video and then you'll have to do some kind of visual search on google so that you can find out what it is and uh, I, I i'm not sure what it's what it is is this a decker bridge thing uh no the decker bridge uh was the Software update to the Procussor Audio Cubes. Ah, okay, yes, yes, yes. Which I did Sorry. get a demo of as well, um, which was pretty good. And there, there was a really good demo person, because the last person I got a demo was, was I think they were over-refreshed after a heavy lunch, and it wasn't quite so impressive as this one. <laughs> but uh, that, they were good, and they looked really nice in the dark. But really big news, I suppose, is the new sequencer. The Personas Studio One. 
Yeah, did you get a chance to check I did, that out? I did get a, I got a, a chance. I want to say thanks to Thomas Vent, who, uh, who said, oh, have you heard about this? And I said, no. And apparently Personas were keeping it really quiet, and indeed they were. And um, it's basically a new door, uh, Mac and PC. Uh, it's a single window kind of interface, um, and it incorporates mastering as well as sequencing. And it's got some really cool features like sort of mini uh, plug-in views, drag and drop and loads of really cool things i mean i'd like to check it out when it's coming out it's it's going to be um oh well, i'm trying to think when it's going to be out i think they said uh, probably later in the summer but it was also um it's written by wolfgang kundras and matthias dunn Duan, who are the guys from nuendo yeah so it's got a pedigree and it's obviously it's not just sort of presonus having a go they've got some really good um good people working on it and it's a fairly bold move. I don't know. I mean, do you think the world is ready for a new door? I don't know. I'll tell you after I've tested our stuff on it. <laughs> <laughs> it does support all the stuff. You know, it's RTAS, audio units, VST, all of that kind of thing. Oh, okay. So the full range. Yeah. Uh, and the Garatan. Garatan, yeah. Garatan, uh, also n- more news. I didn't see them there anywhere, but they chose Mesa Time to announce that they were taking over... Giga, they've purchased the assets, whatever that means, from Tascam, which seems to be ha- as, uh, seems to have happened quite a lot to Giga, um, and now they're going to be developing, distributing. I'm not quite sure what they're going to be doing. Do you know any more about this? Uh, no, sadly not. No, but I thought it was a really interesting move. I mean, Garrettan seems to sort of have it going on really at the minute. Do they? And uh, it will will be interesting to see. I thought it was quite interesting on your. Um, you know, on the post that you did saying that they'd interviewed, uh, they'd reviewed over 20 companies. And we believe that Garatan is the best candidate to carry on development of the Giga platform. Oh, really? So they weren't just looking to offload it. They were actually looking to um, offload it to the right people. Yeah, which is quite a nice move, actually. Well, it seems seems very um, philanthropic of them. It's sensible, really, after yeah. the development went into it. I suppose. I, I don't really, yeah... Well, that'd be great. I mean, it'd be great if they keep it going, because they just got into um, plug-in versions of it, hadn't they? Which would, was obviously going to open out the the, the platform and the, the libraries out to a lot more people. Yeah, I mean, I do know a lot of film people who've used, you know, have had it, use it a lot. So I think, that, you know, the fact that it was going to be discontinued... Uh, the only thing that worries me slightly is that they've left it a little too long and people will have wandered off and found alternative things, you know, alternative solutions. Yeah, of course. But I suppose Garatana were good pressed, well pre- uh, well positioned to to see that. Uh, other anyway, other um pres- uh super booth things. Did you see the Ros box and Odulator? Yeah. That was very nice. That was a uh, uh, the, the synth- couple of synthesizers there. There was also uh the the much heralded Dope for Dark Energy. Uh, uh, I did. I did a little piece with Dieter, um, who seemed to be having a similar um, presentational approach to uh, to videos as I did with the Schneider twins when his uh, he was talking about <laughs> creating a machine that made dark energy. But uh, you know, it was it was it's the thing is tiny weeny weeny. I mean, it's when I saw the pictures, I was thinking it was actually kind of quite large, but it's actually sort of three depth for module size in a little box so it's actually really small but it's got all this inc- did you did you watch the video all this incredible um filter as oscillators and uh, lfos as oscillators so you've got two oscillators but you've also got a third and a fourth potential oscillator and all these sort of really mad um modulation potential with because you can filter filter things from all, all over uh, sorry modulate things from all over the place and that looks pretty interesting it's about 400 euros so um which is a great price. It's a pretty good price, isn't it? I know it's a great idea because it's going to get because modular stuff is a bit of a bit of a major um, commitment, isn't it? Really, you've got to get the box, you've got to get the you know all this stuff. Because I, I was thinking about it, uh, as it happens, I think I'm just going to flog off all my synths and buy myself a new laptop because um, this will fall into bit. I was planning on flogging off all my synths and um, buying a modular thing, but uh, I think I might just go for this go this other way and i like the idea of the dark energy and it does the fact that it's sort of semi-modular you can kind of still and it's got also it's got a midi interface and a usb interface so that you can actually interface it with your modular and use it to control other analog and modular equipment yeah so it's got a lot of a lot of potential uses there yeah yeah no very clever um circuit symphony says any thought on the elisis micron mark ii which of course is the akai miniac 
that's a funny story there. I, I think um, the demo people have been unfairly targeted for, on that because what when I got there, uh, we did our usual sort of surveying of the booth and did all the things that we did. And then uh, one of the chaps from Akai UK came along and said, that uh, you know there was this other synth coming in and it was actually stuck in customs so i went back the next day and grabbed it and, and eric mcgregor very gamely gave me a demo my first question was it looks a bit like a micron what's the difference and uh, to be honest uh, it transpired i think you know but off the record it was uh, the fact that it's black <laughs> you know so it, it there's not a great deal of difference i think the patches have maybe changed and some of the operating system maybe have changed a bit but uh, yes it, it still generated an enormous amount of traffic and questions. So I wonder whether shifting over to the Akai brand is kind of is good or bad. But it's curious. But it sounded quite good. And apparently the Micron, I've never used the Micron. The Micron does actually sound quite good for a VA. Hmm. I've thought the comments on the Sonic State site were pretty interesting. And I went off on this complete tangent, uh, looking at somebody's blog about idiots on the internet and all that kind of stuff. Because uh, what's his name? I think uh, somebody on the f- on your site, Subanalog. That's the yeah. Apparently, was, yeah, has- came out with loads of misinformation and whatnot, and then it was pretty hilarious from there on in. Loads of people do. I don't know what it is. It's I think it must be just. I, I mean, it's like a kind of ego trip, isn't it? In, in much in the same way as doing this show is for me. But uh, I like to try and get my facts right as wherever possible. But, that's, a very, that's a very good blog. I think it's Failed Muso. or fa- Yeah, Failed Muso does a blog. And there was a very, very good... Uh, he did a very good follow-up to it, which was very entertaining indeed. Yeah, I haven't checked that out yet, but I certainly hope to. Um, let me see. Where else have we got? Um, oh, uh, some actually, Bjorn D in the comments for the uh, Persona Studio One sequencer said that he just returned from Frankfurt and had a little go on it, and he said it felt like a hybrid between Nuendo and Ableton, without that being a bad thing. Mm-hmm. So that's quite uh, that's quite promising. I didn't get a chance to play with it myself, and the the demo we got, which was glorious, this one window approach is a fantastic idea, much in the same way that uh, Logic uh, Pro now is. He was demoing on a mass on a de- on a twenty four inch monitor, which of course was wonderful. Yeah, nice. But you know, most of us who have seventeen or fifteen inch monitors uh, are not going to get the same kind of uh, screen acreage out of it. And you know, just buy yourself a new monitor sort of adds a few hundred dollars or pounds to the price of the sequencer. That's not necessarily the best way of doing things, it, to my mind. Mm. Uh, let's have a look. Uh, other hits. Oh, the did I mention the Wacom Next Beat? Did you see that? No. Wacom, who we all know make, um, well, graphics tablets, don't they? With uh, yeah. pen- pencils and stuff. Yeah. They've developed uh, something called the Next Beat, which is actually a DJ system. And it's a load of control surfaces. It's got it's basically a self-contained DJ system. It's kind of like track, you know, it's kind of following on from Tractor and all of those sort of DJ applications, but it's hardware and in a box. So it has a control surface with faders. So it's, uh, and, and a, a nice uh, OLED LC, LCD monitor, LED monitor, uh, a load of functions, a sampler, you know, looping, etc. Two decks, but the center section clips out, and you can sort of run around. It's got uh, this Wi-Fi. Well, it's not Wi-Fi. It's a uh, radio frequency, so you can run around and do the show with the sort of main center section of the console with you while your sort of while your thing stays there. Wow, it's. It's and it's such a bonkers. I was talking to the guys and I said, "This is a really bit of a tangential sort of change of direction, isn't it, for Wacom?" And he said, "Well, yes, I suppose so, but it must be a huge amount of R and D." I think this is going to be out uh, out to presumably some big name DJs, whoever they may be, um, to test for June time and then releasing in September. But he wouldn't tell me how much it was, but uh, I'm told it may be something like um, about two thousand euros, which <coughs> seems about how much everything seems to be at the moment. That's quite interesting. Yeah. Because Richard Evans uses the Wacom tablet, doesn't he? For- well, he, no, he uses a Wacom touchscreen, doesn't he? He's got uh, one of those, it's like a Wacom with a touchscreen built in, so it's mm. it's sort of that way, if you see what I mean. Because I used to use a Wacom for, for stuff, but I always used to find it really weird because when you look down to use your pen, you're not looking at the screen, so you have to sort of either not look at your hand or not look at your screen. So, do you know what I mean? It does, you, you kind of detach. You get a yeah. bit detached. So you, the accuracy that you can get by having a pencil and a graphics tablet is sort of negated by the fact you can't look at them both at the same time. Yeah, no, I can, I can see that. 
But I mean, kind of weird, like you say, tangential decision for them to. I mean, is the market as big as well, it is for the graphic design question. guys? I'm not sure, but I'm. I get the feeling that there'll be more products from them using this, utilizing this, coming along. Because I mean, obviously, this one's going to be expensive, but the. You know, a lot of R&D must go into something like this. And he said, yes, of course, it would make sense for us to make more products, wouldn't it? So, you know, there's going to be a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's have a look, going down the list. <clears throat> God, I'm glad I made some notes. Come on, Teenage Engineering OP1. Oh, of course, about. the Teenage Engineering OP1. Yes, well, this was this this just came out. They, I'm not sure how much of this is spontaneous or whether it's all pre-planned. Because when we went to the show, I was talking to them uh, just before the show... Um, digital, uh, create digital music. Peter Kern's great blog, um, sort of broke the story, which was tweeted, uh, on Twitter by, uh, the music thing, Tom Whitwell. And it sort of spread like wildfire. Everyone went, wow, it's amazing. And it, it's basically, what is it? It's a sort of about the size of a Casio VL tone and a half. Uh, it's supposedly, here we go. Let me just, uh, I'll get me notes here because I, I wrote some things down, which was obviously very useful. It's a controller. It's got four rotary enc- uh, encoders and 16 dedicated quick keys. It's also a synthesizer with eight synthesizer models, eight sampler and effects like delay, flutter, filters, EQ, etc. Uh, you can sample. You've got an FM radio built in. I mean, like, you know, FM synthesis and FM radio, which made me, when I saw that, I thought April Fools. But actually... The guy said, well, we weren't going to do the show, but then we got all this buzz and we decided to come along, and it just didn't really ring true. But anyway, it was there under a piece of glass. You couldn't hear it. You could look at the OLED LED, which looked fabulous. Very, very, you know, uh, it's got a, a screen refresh rate of 60 frames per second, and it looks gorgeous. And they are aiming for it to be like the Casio VL tone, except when I talk to them, they're, talk- they're talking about somewhere between 700 and 1,000 euros, and that's not really in the spirit of uh, the Casio VL tone, as far as I remember, it was a lot cheaper, wasn't it? Oh, uh, yeah. That's Relatively speaking. <laughs> and I, I don't know. I These guys seem very together and very soft. Apparently, um, some of the people on the team, the teenage engineering people, uh, were involved in the machine drum and electron stuff, you know, so they know their, their chops. But it made me think, I wonder, if I was a synth designer, I might be thinking, how can I possibly get a load of synth design work? And one of them would be to come up with this rather marvellous-looking prototype, you know, not finished yet, it's going to be another year, and maybe wrestle some of the uh, synth design work out of uh, the the hands of Axel Hartman. Or am I being too cynical? What do you think? I have to say, when I first saw it, I did think it was an April Fool. But obviously not being there, I wasn't able to substantiate that, so I'd kind of written it off. And then when I saw the video, it was an interesting video. Although, like you say, the aisles just looked empty. Where was that? Was that Hall A or uh, for Hall That five? was the corner of Hall 5. Um, you know, it's never a, a, a busy place there. Okay. And it was the first day, first morning. Yeah. Okay. No, I mean, it does look fascinating. I did like the bit where they'll be spending the next year doing software because we always say, oh, it'll take three months. And that normally turns into a year. So if you use the same ratio, <laughs> we're probably looking at three years. Mind you, they're probably a bit more competent than us, but... um. And getting stuff out on time. But yeah, no, interesting, fascinating. I did like the idea of the FM radio, though. They did. Uh, Frodo on the chat room suggests it should be a tease made, and uh, Red Walks, uh, Asio Head said they might as well put a phone into it as well. It uses That'd one of the Blackfin um, analogue devices, Blackfins, apparently. Mm-hmm. Which, I don't know what that means. It's a low-power thing. But I also heard um, somewhere uh, from another, a nameless source that the LCD they're using in it, which, while it's beautiful, these, uh, a lot of these OLED LEDs, rather, don't have a very long life. And this particular one may be as little as 5,000 hours, which seems like it could be a problem for OLEDs in general, not just for them. And I would imagine a bulk of the price is going to be, you know, it's quite a big OLED. It's going to be a, a bunch of it on there. And I I just suspect that maybe that's going to be the first thing to be ditched in favour of keeping the price down. That's assuming this thing ever actually comes to fruition. It will be interesting to see. I don't know. I mean, you know, I like the idea of mini stuff, but the, the idea of having something this small that's essentially a workstation is perhaps a bit over over the top. I like the fact that it could be used to annoy people on planes and trains. <laughs> and it's got a little speaker in it. <laughs> yeah. But that, but you won't be able to use it during takeoff and landing. 
Oh, they should have an airplane mode, shouldn't they? They should, where well, the, the FM radio do doesn't come on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just picks up on the air, air traffic control. You can sample bits of that. Nice. Could be useful. I'll tell you what I did see. Some of the SSL stuff was pretty major. Um, there's this little SSL uh, mini desk, which is a 32-channel line mixer. Yeah. Which, um, I don't know, it did, I didn't think it looked that beautiful, but obviously it's got SSL stuff in it. And uh, I'm sort of missing, it'd be great if they could squeeze a bus compressor in there as well, but I presumably it would have to be uh, a bit more expensive than the £1,600 that it was going to be ordinarily. But the the thing that was really massive, SSL MX4 PCIe card, right? Dual head MADI, so you've got 64 channels of digital I.O. Nice. Four samples latency. DSP on board that gives you SSL EQ and dynamics for each of those inputs. Nice. Plus a bus compressor. Hello? No. <laughs> 128 channels of digital audio processing with SSL plugins across every single channel. That How much seems, is it? That's mental. I mean, it's 1,200 quid plus tax, but I mean, still, 128 a- channels of SSL plugins for 12... You know, I'm still having a little trouble, you know understanding why there's not been a bit more of a hoo-ha about that, because I thought that was pretty major. Amazing. I did like the, that little mixer. That caused quite a little buzz. Yeah, it did, didn't it? I, I think Jim Motley, who's always the guy who does demos for us, and he's you know, a great guy. He's a, he's a born born salesman presenter, and he was, he was very pleased, because I think it was very much his sort of, his baby, and he's very pleased with it. So it did look nice, and there were some nice features and nice bits and bobs um, that you can do with it. Uh, I'm trying to remember what the hell it's called, the SSL Small Mixer. I think it was called uh, XMX. Yeah. Oh, dear. Sorry. That's a bit of research I obviously didn't do very well. It was nice to meet Howard Scar. I met Howard Scar at the Yuhi stand, where uh, he was doing some of the demoing of the new Zebra 2.3. In fact, I've got an audio clip. It's one of the few things I have got together this week, so I'm just going to play that. Sounds, these sounds are all synthesized and do the 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 um, strings, the string arpeggiator. Uh, so that was yeah. uh, Urs, who I'm guessing is the U in um, the. He sure is. The and he he is Heckman. Yeah, it was really nice actually. I'm, I'm going to have to check that out. I've never tried it out. And the, the the new 2.3 has all this kind of modular. You can just grab and sort of grab modules, synth modules, and just sort of put them in any order. And it looks really powerful, actually, really powerful. And in fact, obviously, if Howard's um, kind of involved, he must be getting, because he's pretty much the the don, isn't he, when it comes to sound design? I know you're a big fan of his. He is probably my favourite sound designer. In fact, we saw him up at Hans Zimmer's place, and he was using uh, Zebra to do a lot of sound design for... I know he used it on The Dark Knight, and I think they were working on the sequel to The Da Vinci Code when we were there. Uh, and some amazing sounds, really amazing sounds. I mean, Howard just knows it inside out. He's one of those guys that you could put any synth in front of him and he would get deep into it within about sort of 30 nanoseconds. Oh, really? And start playing you stuff that you kind of go, wow, How did you do wow. That? You know what? Um, he was He's an avid listener to the show, apparently, and uh, I managed to get him to commit to... He's going to do us a new Tumbleweeds moment sound, which... Uh, Unfortunately, we haven't got ready for this week, but uh, I said I'd send it to him, and he said, oh, yeah, I'll have a look at that. I'll see what I can come up with. So he promised to do me a new tumbleweed uh, thing, which I think, you know, to have one by Howard Scar is kind of quite an honour. So if he's out there anywhere. He's just phenomenal. I mean, he did some stuff for us on the Imposca, which I think is still one of my favourite sound banks. And then we asked him to do some stuff on the uh, Mini Monster. And he came back with this sound, and I'll never forget it, it's called Grandiose. And you play it, and it sounds like a bloody grand piano. And you're thinking, dude, this is a Mini Mode clone. All right, we've got all these extra mods and weird things on it. But in the bottom register, it really does sound like a grand piano. How did he do it? Yeah, I know. There is an element of that. And I do pride myself on my sound design, but uh, I have to tip my hat. I can't say enough good about him. Well, I, I know. Um, I'll say some good about somebody else anyway, and that's one of our show sponsors, which is uh, Roland UK. 
Um, thank you very much to Roland UK for sponsoring the show. Um, they uh, would like to bring your attention to the Phantom G8, which is the 88-key FA2 ivory feel-weighted keys. It has 256 megs of rave ROM, which is twice the capacity of its pre- predecessor. Two ARX expansion slots, an 8.5-inch colour LCD display with mouse connectivity, 16-part multi-timbral audio MIDI sequencer with 128 tracks, including 24 audio tracks. Take a test drive, they invite you. Uh, and you may well find that you get all the information that you need at roland.co.uk slash phantomg. So that's roland.co.uk slash phantomg. Which does bring me um, neatly to um, another Roland matter, which was the update to the Juno G software operating system. Which, you know, you may think, I, I know the Juno's kind of got, we, we've all got fond memories of the maybe Juno 106, Juno 6, Juno 60. And there's been a recent crop of... Um, there's been a recent crop of um, Junos, the Juno Stage, the Juno G, and now they've just released a new version of the software, which uh, I, I spoke to uh, a guy called Luke Edwards at the show, and he showed me it, and it's it's bonkers. Did you, did you see that? It probably didn't went under the radar, but yeah. it, it adds all this sampling technology into it, and sort of elastic audio, trigger, playback, you know, you can latch loops, you can sync them up, you can tempo, you can change the key, you know, you can do all of that stuff from within this keyboard, and it's a free op- update, and you can put up to, like, 512 megs of RAM into these things. So wow. it makes it actually quite a pokey um, sample workstation as well. Which I thought was quite cool. I'm not something I expected at all, and I think Luke was pretty blown away by it too. Um, so once again, you know, you want to find out more about that? Check out the site, uh, also Roland.co.uk. You'll be able to update your operating system. But uh, yeah, check out the video. It's sort of quite, it's quite impressive actually. I know loads of kids who use the Juno G. Really? Yeah. Well, you can sort of see that you know if they operate upgrade the operating system, you know, it's starting to get into kind of real groove box land. It's going to be obviously handy because it's got usb connectivity i mean there's a lot of things you're going to be able to do this certainly in a live scenario maybe they're going to start taking over a bit from the the korg micros for live keyboard business yeah it'd be interesting i like i like it, I like it when people expand on things yeah and they that that's a, a really good uh, upgrade apparently adig human synchronizer you check mm-hmm. that out no i didn't see this it's a piece of software which we covered from nam and essentially it's a translator so it'll take um Audio input, MIDI input, foot switch, whatever. Oh, so I did you, see this, yes. And, yes. You, and you play, and it creates tempo, live tempo out, out of, you know, audio in or MIDI in, and then it will create tempo out, which means that you can use a drummer or somebody else to drive the tempo of a show, which means you can kind of put a bit of life back into things. It'll still drive a click track and stuff, but it'll be clicks based on the whoever's control, whoever's driving. And they've just um, released uh, an update to it, which allows you to record a performance and create a tempo map, which then you can bring into something like Sibelius or whatever. If you're doing scoring to picture and you want to follow a tempo map, so you've got something that's already already been recorded and you want to enhance it, you can now do this. And this is something that's actually, you know, it sounds really banal, but it's actually fairly major because it's not something that has been available up to now. I mean, there's been some fairly esoteric devices that allow this, but this is a piece of, you know, it's like 300 bucks software that'll do it. I don't know, because you, 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 you know, you run um, show stuff for people, don't you? Yeah. Um, can you see a, a use? Uh, yes. Yes, definitely. Rather than have the, you know, drummer shackled to a click. Uh, it would be easier if it was the other way round. And there was something I remember in the eighties that was hideously unreliable. Can't even remember what it was called now. It had some <laughs> really funny name, like it wasn't Doctor Click, but it was something like that, wasn't it? Doctor Clock. Um, was it I Russian know. Dragon? No, no, that was the thing for tip for just to telling you. That's right. I remember the Russian Dragon. Do you remember that? It was like a tuner. It was like a rack tuner for drummers. And what <laughs> you do is you'd have the click in one feed, and then you'd have something coming back from the drummer, and you'd put it somewhere where you could, sh- and you'd show it to them and say, you "See how out of time you are. You look, you're ahead of the beat, or you're behind the beat." Must have been a very demoralising thing, but that's quite nasty. It's isn't horrible, it? isn't it? <laughs> what a horrible thing! I don't know. I just remember seeing it in a few places, and I think it was about the time when machines were really on the rise, and it was just obviously used to sort of to make people um realize you know that this was the only way that they could possibly go but i I was talking to andy mack uh who used to play in a band uh called the blue airplanes and he was in uh la recording and they used to play a lot of live shows and they went in and they had to record 
um, a load of stuff in the studio, and the producer was saying, "Oh, it's really out of time. You know, it's it's the tempo's not fixed, and they, the poor drum, you know, the drummer couldn't play to a click. I mean, he could play to the click, but it just flattened everything out of it. And so now, you know, this has been ongoing for an awfully long time. So now, something like this could actually bring back a bit of life back into it, into a performance, and into that sort of MIDI sequencing side of things." Maybe. Mm-hmm. Particularly if you've got real-time, you know, time stretch and stuff, so any loops or things can follow these things. Yeah, maybe. yeah, yeah. yeah I don't no, know, but that, that's obviously going to add a lot of CPU cycles to whatever it is. But it's really well worth checking out. I'll put the link in the show notes. So uh, we agreed that the um, Antares um, DMA composition technology was actually an April Fool. I think so. Okay. <laughs> I didn't actually put that story up because it was, I was in Germany, oh. but somebody told me about it. I think it oh. must have been. I was hoping loads of people would fall for that, but it was reasonably <laughs> obvious, wasn't it? <laughs> was that yours? No, no. We didn't do one this year. No, we well, just... you sort of gave the game away, didn't you? What was it, the uh, mini, the Melaman uh, VL tone? Oh, no, we were going to do Stylophone Melaman. Yeah, Stylophone Melaman. The same sounds, yes. Uh, no, but I did give the game away on that. Uh, there was something else I saw that I wanted to check out a little bit more, and I can't remember what it was called, but it allowed you to port between... Um, different sequencer. Ah, that would be the SSL Pro Convert. Would ah, okay. Did you check that out? I did. I, there is a video hanging around. It's one of the last few that we haven't put up. It's actually they've now released it for Mac because it was only on PC and it was quite expensive. But it converted with all sorts of OMFs and XML and all sorts of things. And now uh, on the Mac, it, it's limited to I think uh, trying to remember. I think it's Pro Tools and Logic and a couple of couple of things. Not everything. Okay. Uh, but it's a lot cheaper. You might want to check that. It's from SSL. Nice for porting projects between studios and stuff. Yeah. I would be. hope. I would hope so. I just get the feeling it's one of those things that you have to get in really deep into scripting and stuff, and I just, you know, I'm not sure. Uh, Guru One says, is this, is this the Dave and Nick show? Well, yes, it is, Guru One, because um, it's only me and Dave here. Um, Rich Hilton is in Tokyo, just to recap. Uh, he's po- quite possibly on stage at this very minute. I'm not sure what the time difference is. And um, PJ is probably in bed because he had a really late night, obviously on deadline, which is good because it means he's busy. Um, Mark Tinley, I think he's got his kids with him, so he's probably, um, I don't know, on a bouncy castle somewhere or something. Yeah, I'm they're probably sure. seen cars enough times. But um, yes, they're wondering when we started. Actually, guys, the show has started. This is what happens. We just talk about stuff, and that's what we're doing. <laughs> you know how to make a th- make a guy feel great, don't you? Where's that ban button in the chat room? I'm just going to see whether I can. Um, any other things? Oh, I, um, pres- uh, we've done the Personas thing. The Open Labs D beat. You see that? Yes. Open Labs, oh. as we all know, have been kind of making these giant. Um, well. The sort of giant integrated workstations which have the computer built into with the control and everything. So it's a single unit. And now their latest one is a keyboard-free version, as in a QWERTY keyboard-free and a, 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 a MIDI keyboard-free. And it's literally for beats. So it's like MPC-like. And it's called the D-Beat. And it's got 64 rotary rotaries and 64 faders on uh, four layers. Uh, and it looks kind of cool. Still heavy, still big. Uh, they still seem to be kind of pursuing this. I don't know if... Uh, uh, maybe it's m- mostly happening in the US. I, I've never come across one in the, in, in the sort of work environment. I don't know if you have. Have you? Hip-hop guys love it. Oh, they really? really? Is, that, the, is yeah, that where it is? Yeah. yeah, they seem to have really kind of got that niche. This, you know, Teddy Riley. Um, God, the guy who's doing prints now. Um, yeah, a lot of them. Really? Because oh, right. it's well, just that's this a, kind of big, chunky, substantial thing that they yeah, can lug around. Yeah, I suppose it's got a sort of, um, it's like a, I don't know, like a hum, the Humvee, it's a Humvee laptop. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, the equivalent of. The other one was the, the V-Rack thing. Yes, now, uh, that was kind of cool. That's the SM Pro Audio uh, V-Rack, which is... It's like the V machine, which I'm desperately... They, they told me that they were going to send me one for review ages ago, and I gave um, the chap on the stand a really hard time about it. He promised he's going to send me one to review uh, just after they've announced another another machine. But, yeah, this is the kind of updated, rackable version of the V machine, and it's uh, it's got a bunch of stuff in it, actually. It's kind of... It's got six outputs, because it's got SP diff, uh, two sets of analog I.O., 
and it's also got um, a dual. Is it a dual one point three dual dual core? I think it's two six six. Two six dual two six six. Uh, comes with two gigs of RAM. Uh, it got upgradable to four. Um, but was somewhat overshadowed because I went to their site to find out the bullet points for this, and there was this massive thing called V-Rack Pro, which looked even better, which had kind of 8 or 16 balanced I.O., you know, really, really fancy looking, but I'm guessing that's still sort of not not quite ready for, for release. So it looks kind of cool. Uh, I think it's going to be over a 1000 bucks. I mean, it's going to be pretty expensive. And, okay. and there seemed to be a lot of people commenting, or some people commenting, certainly, that, you know, it was a receptor killer, which I, d- I don't really understand what the problem is, because receptor's been going for a long time. And I think one of the things that they're going to have difficulty with, which is something that Muse, uh, the guys at Muse have sorted out a lot better, is the um, the copy protection and, and authorizing plugins. Because obviously the way that these things work, you run a kind of virtual machine on your machine, and you you authorize the plugins onto the uh, the V-Box or the v, the v machine or the V-Rack. Uh, I mean, you've, your stuff is authorised on Muse, right? Yeah. Have you been approached by these guys? Is there any kind of anything different they need to do? Or We did talk. I mean, the thing that intrigued me about this was I thought that this was probably what the SM Pro Audio thing should have been in the first place because it was quite an unsexy-looking box and essentially kind of look, looked nice and had that kind of robust feel about it. Built more for the road, probably. The V-Rack. Yeah. Yeah, yeah as opposed to the original thing. Uh, we did talk... To be honest, I think that I probably haven't sent back the NDA. (laughs) (laughs) What is it about NDAs that you just feel like you don't want to sign them, don't you? I don't know what it is, because you've got Uh, to check them out. Yeah, they get filed and filed and, yeah, rarely filled in, really. Unless you're kind of really hot to trot and then you kind of just sign in. You you could probably give away the moon. You probably I seem to remember putting an NDA under the nose of uh, Manfred from Steinberg years ago, and he went through and just crossed out several sections and kind of said, if I sign this, I would be giving away the world. Yeah. Well, that's a nice try, Dave. Yeah, well, it's worth <laughs> a shot. They were doing well at the time. So uh, I think uh, at this point, it's time for our second sponsor. Two sponsors, I hear you shout. It's it's unheard of, and indeed it is. Um, but Loopmasters.com uh, are sponsoring the show as well, and um, they're the number one website and sample CD distributor dedicated to bringing you the most inspirational collections of royalty-free sounds and samples from some of the top producers worldwide. In fact, they're doing a deal um, where you can uh, email them uh, at info at Loopmasters.com. That's info at Loopmasters.com with the subject Sonic State VIP, and they'll give you a voucher, which gives you seven to 800 megabytes of samples on these VIP p cards um and there's a bunch of stuff there apparently um oliver davis said that there were some great loops there so uh, i can only assume they were because i haven't actually got gone and got them yet which is a fairly um well it's fairly poor of me really but they also want me to tell you about their new um website called looptv.net which is a new monthly electronic music production video cast and it's totally free and dedicated to production tips sampling news competitions features on labels and producers working with loopmasters.com and indeed it is i watched the first one um last week sometime and that was quite interesting so uh, go and check them out that's looptv.net and if you want the sample offer email info at loopmasters.com with the subject sonic state vip anyway that's all our sponsorship stuff out the way and um, that leaves me with one last thing, which was this um, this thing called Copperlan. And I don't know that um, you will have heard of this, but it's a new networking protocol. Uh, and I went to one of the um, a room in the uh, what was it, the Maritime, which is uh, the big hotel at the, the at the front of the of Mesa. It's where all the really um, rich people stay, and um, which is where we've never we've never actually stayed there. I'd like to, but. Um, it's a new networking protocol. It's quite interesting. It's all over Ethernet, and all it's it's a self-aware network. Um, it, it basically comprises of a translator and a, a a layer that will take any you can take anything that is Copperland aware, and basically plug it into this network, and it will know that it's there, and it will know what it's supposed to do once you've set it up. And it doesn't use IP TCP/IP, which means it can run much faster than uh, your general sort of stuff over Ethernet. And I've done a piece on that. I've got to um, I've got to edit it up and sort it all out. But that's quite interesting. And the idea is that it's just a bridge between things like USB, uh, Firewire, uh, MIDI, whatever. So if you've got like a piece of software which is aware on a machine somewhere, you know, in the building or connected over uh, over the Ethernet, 
then you can just sort of grab a particular knob of it. You get this kind of tree. So you browse the network and it'll say, oh, there's Dave's Mac and here's an instance of Mini Monster, say, and there's the filter. And cool. this is over, you know, over the network. And they've, they've, they have loads of, it's still at the early days, they're still trying to kind of um, get all the developers into on board to have this SDK and what have you. But it does look like a, a, a much more serious and, and uh, coordinated uh, attempt to create this sort of global studio network. And that also means that you could take things like you could have one audio interface and everything would go through it rather than have multiple ones and, you know, that side of things. And um, once I know a bit more about it, because the demonstration and the uh, the chat I had was sort of fairly high level, I kept having to try and bring him down to sort of, you know, talk about it in terms that, you know, your average studio musician would, would understand rather than a manufacturer who makes integrated systems, you know. But that looked quite interesting, and that that was a fairly major release. Although it was a more of a beside, behind the scenes kind of thing. Cool. Uh, I don't know whether there's whether there's more, you know, whether we need more of that stuff. But I, I mean, I wish them luck because they seem to have really got their their act together, and they're not actually trying to create a new protocol. They're just creating a new transport. If do you see what I mean? Does yeah, that make yeah. sense? Yeah, yeah. And it's sort of sort of work. It could certainly work. Well, maybe it can't. Maybe it'll be rubbish. But from what I saw, it was very interesting. And they have this thing whereby, this was quite cool, they they did a demo of, you know, they, they, they had the system all up and running, and then you could just have this little dongle that you can plug into a USB port that goes, hey, I'm here, and you flip a switch. And so if you go to a studio and you've got it all set up how you want, you go away and you come back and somebody's completely reconfigured it, and you just think, oh, sod it, and I don't want it like this. As long as it's all plugged into the network, you can plug this little thing in, flip the switch, and it reconfigures all of the studio how you like it. And that can be, it can launch the applications that you're running, it can launch the plugins, it can, it, 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 um, it does all the patching and the routing and all of that stuff just with one kind of recall, which was pretty nice. Nice. So, yeah. I don't know. How maybe. Well, maybe it will be. Hold on, oh, I keep forgetting. My Mac's dying, and every time I try and um, move my mouse pad, because mouse pad's the thing that's gone, and the, it sticks, I, I forget that I've got a mouse attached to it. I'm still getting used to it. But I'm going to have to get a new Mac. The time has come. I'm just desperately trying to figure out a way I can get some discount. But it, I met a bloke at Apple. Um, I was introduced to a chap who worked for Apple at the show who's in charge of iPhone audio apps, in fact. And hopefully he'll be um, sending us through some interesting information and keeping us uh, um, abreast of it. And I, I rather embarrassingly, and I also met a chap who's senior manager, U.S. Market Development Pro Apps. It sort of quite, sounds quite important, doesn't it? And I can't believe I actually said, can I get a discount? <laughs> I, I felt really, I, and I said it and I thought, I feel really ashamed of this. But it's the tail of the tax year and I can't, I can't not say it because honestly I need to... <laughs> I need. I just need to know if I can save some money. And he uh, launched this. He, he went into. He was very, very patient with me, actually. Uh, but I could tell that I'd sort of blown my chance to make any kind of serious <laughs> professional relationships with him. <laughs> so your email is now blacklisted. Yeah, I know. I probably am on some sort of blacklist. <laughs> I think I emailed him. Or I was thinking about it. maybe I dreamt I emailed him to apologise and say no. But really, we're very interested in uh, any other stuff. Hey, I have to say, it was very strange not being there. I got uh, an iChat message from a mate, Peter, who said, how does it feel being in a room on your own when normally you're in a hall full of loads of people? And I said, it's a bloody relief. No, uh, I said, it's quite strange, actually. But yes, entertaining. I've just so, got, yeah, got, I got... Sorry. I, I got myself a Twitter feed and I was, you know, able to kind of keep abreast with things as they were going on. But it is useful for all sorts of things. Stephen Fry loves Twitter. <laughs> CEO head said something I can't repeat. But um, I know yeah. somebody uh, that I spoke to said that it was really cool. They were keeping up with Imogen Heap and whatnot and ended up with a good dialogue software developer. And she was going, oh, I use your stuff all the time and this, that and the other. But for me, it seems a bit, it could be retitled bragger, really. Yeah. Hey, guess what I'm doing? Yeah, it's a bit like that. I kind of, I did a couple of things from my phone and just sort of thought, should I really have done that? Imogen Heap, 86,000 followers. Yeah. I mean, do that many people that, and presumably most of those people are going to buy her records. She must do really well. Result. Hey, I've got Rich Hilton. I'm going to go get him. Yay. 
Hi, fellas. Rich Hilton son. Hey. How are you? Oh, I'm fair to Midland and yourself? Yeah, good. So you've just literally just come off stage, just back from the gig. I've just come to the hotel. Wow, yeah. cool. So you're in Tokyo, right? I'm in Tokyo. Wow. How is it? Hot- is it- it's beautiful. Yeah, is it's it late? gorgeous. It must it's be late. Uh, 1am. Oh, man. Time zone's fantastic. So you've been having... How are the shows going? Uh, the shows have gone great. We've just played our last one. Uh, 12 shows and six nights. Shows went great. The audiences were fantastic. And uh, the Blue Note is a top flight organization full of wonderful, caring people who serve great food. <laughs> Excellent. So you've been doing a lot of sushi? <laughs> Not at the Blue Note, no. I actually went out for a sushi lunch today with a couple of the guys and ate some incredible fish. I mean, this stuff was so... The guy behind the sushi bar was so uh, intent on showing us how fresh it was that when he started poking some of the stuff in the case, it would curl up. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, wow. That's fresh. That was fresh. That's like the ha- that's like the hamburger you bring that goes moo. <laughs> yeah, right. I can't believe you're here. That's amazing. So you must be exhausted. It's 12 shows in six days. That's pretty intense. I suppose you haven't got to do setup every time or sound check, I guess. Is it just straight on and let's do the show now kind of thing? Right. It's one venue, uh, one sound check the day you, you know, the first day you play and... Uh, so it's not, you know, from that standpoint, you don't have to travel each day. Yeah. But you do have 13 hours time change from where I live, which is the jet lag of doom. Yeah, that's a bad one. I've been living the entire month of April on a series of two-hour naps. Oh, really? You must be wiped out. But it sounds, sounds like the adrenaline probably keeps you going. How, how big's the audience there? Um... I think when it's full, it's around 300 or 350. Oh, right. Intimate. Yeah, it's, it's Blue Note Jazz Club. That sounds like so, a great gig. Oh, it is. It's wonderful. It's really great. And when you take, when you account for the the kindness and the incredible support of these audiences, I mean, I've just come back. I, I mean, I could, if I look around my hotel room, net, room net right now, the number of gifts I've received since I've been here number into the dozens. Wow, really? It's Any good electronics? What's your best gift? <laughs> you know, I had a guy tonight who brought his kid there. We, 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 there's a whole subtext to this about a guitar contest we had on stage. But this one guy brought his tiny little child who got to come up on stage and... At the end of the show, he wants to give me this miniature toy stylophone. And they give it to me, and I'm playing around with it. And the back's off the thing, and the power switch is broke. And I realize, this is this kid's toy. And I, I, could, I couldn't take it. I mean, I, I, tried, I explained to him as best I could that I just, it wouldn't do to take it. Oh, no, I hope it didn't come across as, I don't want this stinking piece of rubbish. I'm sure it did. <laughs> no, 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 no. Of, course, of course, I made a big show of how I couldn't take the child's toy uh, and yeah, how grateful I was for the offer. But, I mean, you know, I'd much rather he learn from using it than I, you know, travel home with a toy dialogue. So, so it was, you know, but just as an example. So that would have been the electronics part of it. Yeah, okay. Um, but most of it's, you know, give, it's chopsticks, it's pictures, it's whatever. I don't I haven't even gone through the bags I got tonight. I'm so talking okay, bags. Bags of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Bag, wow, cool. People handed me bags of stuff. There was a guy who kept coming backstage with these unbelievable instruments. He had, for example, Charlie Christian's L5. Gibson L5 guitar that he had paid a quarter of a million dollars for. Jesus. He had, he had, uh, who else's guitar? He had some other famous guy's guitar. I mean, he, every night he showed up tonight with some famous guy's alto saxophone. He was, he's just obviously a collector and he, and they kept bringing stuff by for the guitar players to play and for us to check out. So uh, I have to ask you: Does this Logitech headset I'm using sound okay? Yeah, it's okay. It's not as um, not not as beautifully fulsome as your usual uh, broadcasting voice, which is uh, which is wonderful. So it sounds a bit skinny. Yeah, okay. But uh, it's yeah. not. It hasn't got much bottom end. But I guess it wouldn't really. Well, I want working. you to know I I brought it expressly for this purpose. 
I can't just believe that we're we're just we're, we're just finishing the show here, and Rich Hilton's just come back from his gig in Tokyo, and uh, he's on the line now. Fantastic, fantastic. Well, so, have you been to Akihabara and done that kind of? Um, I don't suppose it really works. Remember when we used to, when you know, people used to go to Tokyo, it'd be like, wow, you can go and go and get all that fancy electronics and stuff. But I guess it doesn't really work the same way nowadays, does it? Well, I've been there in the past. Um, nowadays, on these trips, because I've been here so many times, and the 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 grind of the gig is so great and the jet lag is so great especially when you're only here for a week that most of my days are just spent chilling waiting for this gig because playing two chic shows a day is pretty draining for yeah i'll bet are they like two first, hour shows no 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 they're like 75 minutes but right. still it's you know hard work it, it quickly reminds you the difference between my current age and when I felt like when I was in my 20s. <laughs> I'm sure you're doing great. How are your hands holding up? Because that's kind of quite a lot of exercise well, the hands, right there. The hands are good because what happens is, and this happens to me all the time as a player, in the first few gigs I play too hard with too much enthusiasm and and because the monitoring isn't quite fully there yet. And then once things start to gel and the dynamics start to improve, I remind myself not to keep hitting so hard. And so by now, I'm fully relaxed as I'm playing, and it's not, it's not, a, it's not an issue. Oh, that's really interesting. That's something that doesn't necessarily happen when you're doing show after show where you're actually traveling between shows, I guess. It's, well, it's not as much. Not yeah. as much. In other words, I don't tend to hit as hard, but th- those venues tend to be a little bigger. I'm a little farther from the monitor system. I can hear things more clearly. I don't have to hit as hard. Right. But in a small club where there's so much bottom end, I'm like right next to one of the subwoofers being at the corner of the stage as I am. Sure. So, um, and I play, I'm also the only one on stage who's got earplugs in. So, uh it's a little tricky, and uh, I have to kind of remind myself not to hit so hard. Okay, okay. And so, so my hands feel good. So, is your last show today? Um, what happens now? Are you flying back tomorrow? Or you get a bit of R and R time. No, it's fly back tomorrow. Okay. Wow. Thirteen hours. Thirteen hours in a plane. In coach. Oh. Still, you've got all those gifts to go through. That'll keep you busy. No, those are going in my checked luggage. <laughs> so what um, what happens when you get back? Are you kind of do you then have to go off and finish the studio design that you've been working on as well? I don't know. Uh, the studio design's kind of in limbo at the moment, and uh, I'll just be glad to see my wife and kids and Stop uh, moving. take it take it one day at a time. After that, and see how my energy comes back together. Well, Rich, I'm so pleased that you could make it. It was great to say hi to you, obviously. Um, well, I love, I love doing podcasts, and I miss you guys when I'm away. Well, I miss you too. Miss you last week and the week before, of course, although we didn't have a show last week. We're back on track. Um, our live streaming is working peachy, actually. Not a well, single good. clip. I, I want to say how is music messing, but I know you just did a whole show on it. So I'll it just was okay. Well, I'll give you a quick, I'll give you a synopsis. Uh, it was, it was pretty good. Um, not so much on the big releases. Uh, it's uh, getting less and less populated i mean it was still busy in some of the other halls i mean maybe 5.1 which is the music technology and remix and dj stuff was perhaps a little less vibrant than it has been in the past the aisles are getting wider it's getting more expensive but it was still kind of fun and um the sun shone while we were there which is the first time ever that's happened in years and years i've been going so it felt it was actually quite a pleasant experience all in all did you happen to come across my good friend thomas scarby of samples fame no, I didn't. I didn't see him there. Okay. I know was, he was there. Oh, was he? Uh, yeah. I don't know if he was exhibiting, but I know he was there. Okay, no, I didn't get to see him. I met uh, met a couple of people who recognised my voice from the podcast, which was pretty cool. I was in a lift in the hotel, actually, and I said, uh, who, who wants what floor? And somebody said, oh, I recognise that voice. And it was a couple of guys from um, Portugal. Uh, I didn't get their names, but um, they listen to the podcast. They have a store in Portugal and they listen to it every week. They're big fans. And that was just, that was a really strange moment because it's only because I asked them what floor they wanted (laughs) that they recognised That's great. That's great, Nick. (laughs) That's funny, isn't it? Hilarious. But uh, yeah. Your voiceover career is assured. Uh, Maybe so, yeah. Maybe I can shake off my cold. Anyway, Rich, I, I wish you the best uh, rest and travel uh, and when you get back to your family, some nice quality time. It's been really nice well, to thanks. talk to you. Yeah, back at you. And, and to Dave, hey, Dave, nice to see oh, yeah. you. Yeah, have a safe travel. So, yeah, Thank Rich Hilton in Tokyo. Um, we'll let you get to bed and uh, get well rested. Don't stay up drinking any Great. of that 
Japanese no. whiskey now. Uh, I actually had some great Japanese whiskey last night. Apparently, it's very good. I was in shock how good it was. It was excellent. And uh, no, tonight I've just got a, Kira, a bottle of Kirin that I lifted from the from the club that I'll have. <laughs> <laughs> well, great. Well, I hope um, I hope you have a nice restful night. And once again, thanks very much for joining us. That's Rich Hilton from Tokyo, live from cheers, Tokyo. Folks. Unbelievable. Right, cheers, cheers Rich. Rich. And uh, see you later, Dave. That was Sonic Talk number 124. Thanks very much to everybody in the live chat room, uh, which you can find at sonicstate.com forward slash live of a Wednesday afternoon at around 4pm UK time. I won't say GMT because I screwed it up because we've had the hour change this week and everybody's turned up an hour late. But I'm sorry about that, folks. I'll get around to it. Now we're back in the, in the zone. I'll get the, the time zone right. So great once and all. And um, have a have a lovely rest of the week and we'll see you next week.